Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. We're so glad you've joined us today as we start this new year talking about some of the major developments occurring that match up with End Times Bible Prophecy. Jackie Sailors and I are so excited to welcome our guest, Jan Weil, today. You know Jan. She's been on the show before. She's also a co-teacher at Living Word Ministries. Welcome, Jan. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And welcome, Jackie. It's great to be here with both of you. We have often talked about the future global government, the one world government, that is coming upon us very soon, we believe. Jan has some really good information to share with you about who the players are, what they're doing, and how close we are to these end times. So Jan, we want to start out right away by asking you, what's changing? What's bringing up the red flags these days? And who are the players? We're seeing so many things that just don't add up when we really take a look around our country, around the world. We see things happening that just absolutely don't make sense. We see the push for electric vehicles. We see the cancellation of oil drilling that gave us energy independence. We see the big thing to me is the crisis at the southern border which we know that there's terrorists such as Hamas and Hezbollah entering day after day, but our administration just can't seem to agree that there's a need to secure our border. And I've even seen articles from people in other countries saying it's almost as if the U.S. is trying to destroy themselves. None of it makes sense unless we look at everything through the lens of Bible prophecy, and then it does. We know, according to Revelation 13, 17, and 18, that During the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist is going to be in control of a one-world government system. And we also know from Daniel 7 that before the Antichrist takes power, there will be a one-world government system under the control of 10 kings. But when will that happen? We don't know the time frame. We don't know if that one-world government system is going to start at the beginning of the tribulation, or is it going to start at the end of the church age? Scripture does not give us that answer. As we know these things, there seems to be a race to global governance. There's just an absolute race to establish this one world government system by the year 2030. As you said, Debbie, we certainly want to ask who's behind this extreme push. There's five key players that we want to talk about. Okay, before we do, let me throw in a couple Bible verses, because you mentioned Daniel 7, and I want to say Daniel 7.23 tells us that this fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. That is a prophesying of the future global government, because it's going to devour the whole earth, and no other kingdom has ever done that. But we have hope in Daniel 2:44 because in that passage Daniel is interpreting a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, had about a statue that depicted the global governments over the centuries. It tells us in the days of those kings the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all the kingdoms 
but it itself will endure forever. So we know that the stone at the foot of the statue is Jesus Christ. When he comes back, when he establishes his kingdom on the earth, and he tells us that that stone is going to be there and crush all the other kingdoms at the time of the fourth kingdom, the time that we're talking about in Daniel 7.23. Now, tell us about who these players are, Jan. Okay, so if we look at the first player, one we're very familiar with, the United Nations or the UN. The UN was founded in 1949 as a universal global organization headquartered in New York where nations can come together, discuss common problems, and find shared solutions. Well, what's really interesting is in September 2024, UN member states are scheduled to adopt the Pact for the Future, which is going to give the UN Secretary General emergency powers in the event that there's another global shock to ensure that there's a unified global response to the crisis. What would be a global shock that would trigger these emergency powers? The rapture. A rapture could be. What else? Well, wasn't COVID a global shock? Exactly. So we've been through that. It could be something like that. It could be war. We have some wars going on, but it could escalate into something more like a world war. We're seeing the players kind of form in that regard. Nuclear threat. It could be a climate threat. All of these things are interesting as you're talking about the United Nations and some of these other organizations that are coordinating. They get to define what this global shock is going to be because they usually participate in helping bring about these shocks. Exactly. And they have even noted what kind of global shocks would trigger these emergency powers. For instance, another pandemic, that's one thing that they've said, a major event in outer space And then to just cover their basis, they say unforeseen risk. It wouldn't take much for the U.N. Secretary General to suddenly have emergency powers. We can see where this is going. You know, one has to wonder why we have given so much power to this United Nations, because they were established with two main goals. The first one was to maintain international peace and security. Have they done that? No, they haven't even come close. They can't agree on a lot of the situations that are going on in the world. And their second strategy or goal was to develop friendly relationships among nations based on respect for the principle of equal rights and self-determination of people. Have they done that? The answer is no. Again, they're not fulfilling their stated goals, so they're broadening out now to become all the government's desire for this global entity. And pay attention to the time frame, September 2024, right before the next presidential election. Isn't that interesting? Will there be another presidential election? And the other thing that's interesting is our current U.S. administration is fully behind this plan to give the Secretary General emergency powers. This is not happening against the U.S. This is happening with the U.S. administration in full cooperation with this plan. So things could happen in the United Nations before our presidential election that our current government supports that couldn't be nullified at any time in the future. Exactly. And the average American citizen hasn't any part in these decisions. This is being made without our consent. And without most people's knowledge. The focus of the UN is to implement 17 sustainable development goals by 2030. And these goals sound very noble, but when we drill down, we see that it's clearly about total government control. 
For example, goal number 13, take urgent action to combat climate change and its impact. This means sustained global emissions reductions of 43% by 2030 and net zero by 2050. This means no one will possibly be able to own gas-powered vehicles, lawn equipment, stoves, furnaces, yet who could possibly afford to switch everything they have to electric? And not only that, but electric is not proving itself viable, as we're seeing in the electric cars and the explosions and the the way they stop and the fact that we don't have electric stations all around the country to service them. Which is part of the plan because they don't want us traveling all around. That puts us in 15-minute cities that they're talking about, too. Exactly. And those 15-minute cities are to require everyone to live within 15 minutes of what they need to buy, food or things like that, so they can control our movements. Therefore, if we want to buy something in Council Bluffs, we wouldn't be able to go out of our 15-minute city to purchase those. And the rationalization is because we are having this climate change emergency. And so we have to reduce all these emissions. And yet the new president of the COP28 the UN Commission on Climate Change, that committee, the new president, Sultan Al-Jabbar, says, quote, there is no science behind demands for phase out of fossil fuels unless you want to take the world back into the caves. So he's saying the quiet part out loud. There's no real reason for it except to have this crisis and to restrict people so that they can have more control over them. And he's not the only one. John Clauser, who recently became the recipient of the 2022 Nobel Prize in Physics, He joined another Nobel laureate and over 1,600 other professionals in signing the World Climate Declaration organized by the Climate Intelligence. The declaration asserts that there's no climate emergency at all, that climate change science is not conclusive, and that the Earth's history over thousands of years shows it's consistently changing its climate. Climate change or climate control is nothing different than evolution. It's a theory that people have, and they're presenting it as fact, but there's no scientific proof. Not to mention that it goes against Scripture. Amen. That's the biggest issue right there. Right. There's a couple of specialized UN agencies that we just need to keep on the radar and be aware of and watching. Three of them that I want to mention. One, the International Monetary Fund. And then two, the World Health Organization, that could be a part of the Pact for the Future that would allow the Secretary General to actually enact these emergency powers with what's going on with the World Health Organization if they declare a world health emergency. And then third, the World Bank. We have to be watching what's going on with the World Bank and digital currency. Now, we are involved in all three of those different organizations. We support the International Monetary Fund. We're going to sign over our authority for our health to the World Health Organization. And the World Bank is all part of the digital currency. China already has a digital currency. Many other countries in the world are starting to implement it. And President Biden has made it clear he is going to also, all of which falls under this United Nations control. Which is very interesting because the previous administration had just the opposite mindset of not wanting to give control to the World Health Organization and to these other UN entities. You mentioned earlier that we have turned into a totalitarian country. Isn't it interesting that the opposition is trying to say of Donald Trump that he is a dictator 
and will be a dictator if he ever gets into office again. And yet there's no proof to that. But there is proof that under the current administration, we've become a totalitarian country. When we read the definition of totalitarianism, it's exactly what we see happening today. Which means if you have a digital currency that can be absolutely controlled, which does remind us of what it says in Revelation, that people will not be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. That's controlling everything. What is the technology that's set up to do this? We do have it now. It's ready. It's on the cusp. Everybody's starting, like you said, starting to implement something like this in many countries. It's coming our way. And we're going to talk about that next week when we talk about AIs and the uptick of technology and what it has to do with these end times. Let's take a look at the second group. The second group behind the push for global governance are the globalists within our U.S. administration. And that's on both sides of the political aisle. Jan, you mentioned that a lot of our presidents support these world empires that have been formed. I have a couple of quotes, one from Bill Clinton who said, what I'm trying to do is to promote a process of reorganization of the world. And he was talking there about a global system. Then you look at Barack Obama, and this perhaps is of most interest because it's not just what Barack Obama said, it's what his wife said. There are many people who believe that Michelle Obama will be the next candidate for the Democratic Party for president because Joe Biden is not popular enough to take that position again. So when Barack Obama was running for president, Michelle Obama said, we are going to have to change our conversations. We're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place as a nation. So she has the same globalistic ideas. And certainly Joe Biden does. He said at a conference in April of 2013, the affirmative task we have now is to actually create a new world order. This is nothing new. I actually have quotes going back a hundred years of American leaders who have been wanting to create this new world order. Have you noticed that it appears our nation is transitioning from a constitutional republic to a tightly controlled totalitarian regime. And let's make sure we're on the same page. The the definition of totalitarianism is a form of government and a political system that prohibits all opposition parties, outlaws individual and group opposition to the state and its claims, and exercises an extremely high, if not complete, degree of control and regulation over public and private life. Does that sound familiar? It's what's happening now. Exactly. It's exactly what we see. And the censorship that's been going on with the government in cooperation with social media, the indicting of political opponents, things that we have never seen before going on now. And that's exactly what totalitarianism is. Our government wants to regulate and restrict and ban items that would allow us to live independently, that would prevent them from controlling us. There was an article in September 2023 that listed all these items. Let me list a few for you. Gas stoves, wood stoves, gas generators. We know gas cars. They want them totally banned by 2035. Air travel, heavily taxed, regulated, soon to be restricted and rationed for regular people anyway. Gas lawn equipment. And here's one that is of great concern. Over-the-counter supplements and cold medicine, decongestants, government wants to ban it. And why would they do that? 
we have to use their medicines and that they tell us we have to take or our vaccines. Big Pharma is in charge. Yes. Physical currency. They want to completely phase that out and replace it with digital currency. And of course, we know why. Because physical currency can't be tracked. They can't track those transactions. Same with the physical IDs. They want to replace physical IDs with digital IDs, biometric facial ID, national borders, national citizenship. They want that switch to global governance. So we see why there's the fight at the southern border to keep it open. They don't want to have borders for nations. This one's interesting, home gardens. They want it registered for future regulation. So in other words, so that we can't be independent with our own food. That is unbelievable. Increased government regulation on all of these things results in more government dependence, which means the ultimate government control. But our government isn't doing it independently. They're stepping in line with the UN's Agenda 2030, just completely, and the World Economic Forum's Great Reset. And then water, think about water. Private water, private wells. California is already planning to regulate those and meterize them so that they can then sell it back to the people. Rainwater collection, there's currently 13 states that regulate rainwater. So we see all of these things that just don't make sense. Is that why the government owns so much property around the United States, as well as certain large corporations, so that they can control our farming industry? Absolutely. And notice they're not going to use it for farming. We see Bill Gates buying up farmland, but is he farming it? No, he's not farming it. Why? Because they want us to only be able to eat what they provide and say we can eat. Some of our listeners might be saying, these sound like conspiracy theories to me. How would you answer that? It's not just the United States. This is happening all over the world. And I'm thinking of the farmers in the Netherlands, and they're not being able to farm their own lands. They're not being able to use the fertilizers that they're used to using. And that would cut back completely on their food supply that they are able to do on their own. How do you restrict farmers and expect to have food? Yes. So when you have a coincidence like this worldwide, it is a conspiracy. We're seeing things that are there. All of these things are currently being regulated. So you could say it's a conspiracy theory, but then you'd have to go and see that 13 states are regulating rainwater collection. If they're regulating it, then how can you say it's a conspiracy? How about the third group? Let's take a look at the third group behind the push for global governance, and that's the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum presents itself as an international nonprofit which brings together government, business, and civil society to improve the state of the world. Well, the Great Reset Initiative is to guide a state-managed, environmentalist, and corporate-aligned reconstruction of the world economy. Does that not sound like a one-world government agenda? The World Economic Forum became more well-known recently with their eight predictions of the world in 2030, and they've actually tried to walk that back, but it's based on input from the World Economic Forum members of their future consuls. Just a few of those items, you'll own nothing and be happy. However, they'll own everything. They'll own everything. You'll have two different types of classes, the rich and then the paupers who follow the rich. Exactly. Another one is the U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower. 
a handful of countries will dominate. Well, we already see since the beginning of this administration taking over this effort to no longer have the U.S. as a superpower when we pulled out of Afghanistan. That became very clear. And that matches up with what the Bible says, that there's going to be 10 areas that work underneath the Antichrist in this global government. So we would be perhaps just one of the 10, if at all. The United States has to be taken out of the way. It can't be a superpower in order to have the one world government. We, We stand in the way, so no wonder we're being attacked on so many levels. Any nation that is a sovereign nation has to be taken down. Another item, you will eat much less meat, an occasional treat, not a staple for the good of the environment and our health. And as you said, we see buying up farmland. We see the the getting rid of the cows and the lab-grown chickens. And the bugs. And the bugs. Yeah, absolutely. The bugs, which is already being produced for human consumption. Polluters will have to pay to emit carbon dioxide. There will be a global price on carbon. Well, that's the way for the people who are refusing to get rid of gas-powered vehicles will have to be pushed to electric vehicles. The price for the tax for gas will become so exorbitant, you'll have to go to electric. But most people won't be able to afford that either. But the elites will be able to do what they need to do. That keeps us to our 15-minute cities again because we'll have to walk a lot of places. Let's look at the fourth group behind the push of global governance, and that's the Council on Foreign Relations, CRF. CRF is the true deep state It was established in 1921 as an independent, nonpartisan membership organization think tank. Their mission is to be a resource and a source of ideas and to provide analysis and background to help people understand the world. When you look at the members of the Council of Foreign Relations, I think it's very interesting. It includes presidents, vice presidents, secretaries of state, Supreme Court justices, well-known news anchors, CEOs of major organizations and banks, and professors of Ivy League schools, both sides of the political aisle. Council of Foreign Relations has a major voice in the U.S. administration, and we we see this in a couple of quotes. Hillary Clinton once said that the Council on Foreign Relations tells globalists like her what we should be doing and how we should think about the future. It has been said that after a Council on Foreign Relations meeting, When Bill Clinton was going to run for president, they stood up at the end and they said, congratulations, Mr. President. He wasn't even on the ballot yet. And they were saying that he was going to win the election. Was that just wishful thinking? No, they have their hands in a lot of these areas, as you just said, with what Hillary said. Right. And then looking at what Joe Biden said, he joked on stage that the Council of Foreign Relations president, Richard Haas, is his boss. And then a retired member, U.S. Navy Admiral Chester Ward, was a member of the Council of Foreign Relations for 16 years. But after he left, he said they were dedicated to the destruction of American sovereignty and the creation of a one world government. So when you look at this list of the people that belong to the CFR, you mentioned so many people of elected positions and elite positions in the economy and in the courts and so forth. So it makes it sound like they have the backing of the United States people, but they don't. These are people that have positions, but they weren't elected to make world government decisions like they are making. And so again, it's just a veneer of approval, but they are elites that have set themselves up to rule the world. And when we wonder who's actually behind what's going on with this current administration, this is who's actually running the show. 
And then there's one more group that we have to add in, and that's BlackRock. And this one, to me, is quite surprising. BlackRock is the world's largest asset manager with an estimated $10 trillion under management. So it owns 5% of most Fortune 500 companies. It's a major stakeholder, stockholder of probably just about any company we could name. Larry Fink, the chairman and CEO, says behaviors are going to have to change And this is one thing we're asking companies to do. So then you have to ask, what kind of behaviors is he talking about? He's talking about the woke cultural transformation of corporate America, such as what we've seen recently with Bud Light, with Target, and even with Disney. So companies have gone woke with their promotion and products to improve mandated environmental social governance scores and diversity, equity, and inclusion metrics that are being imposed on them by BlackRock. Now, that makes sense because American economist Dr. Pippa Malgren said, what underpins a world order is always the financial system. And what we're seeing in the world today is we are on the brink of a dramatic change where we are about to And I'll say this boldly, we are about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. And the new one, she says, the new accounting is what we call blockchain. It means a digital currency, having almost a perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy. That's why BlackRock's involved. Exactly. GOP contender Vivek Ramaswamy says about Larry Fink, the CEO, He is what I call the king of the woke industrial complex. And what they do is they cause companies to bend the knee to woke orthodoxy. Okay, Jan, with all that you're telling us now, what's the bottom line? The bottom line is the goal of these organizations is to end American sovereignty and usher in the one world government. To accomplish this, we're seeing exactly what they want to do to buy up farmland, reduce cattle, encourage wars. But we have to keep in mind what our focus should be. Our focus needs to be doing exactly what Jesus said. Jesus told us in Matthew 24, 42, to keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. We're to stay alert. We're to give strict attention to what's going on through the lens of end times Bible prophecy. But when we ignore what's going on instead of examining it through scripture, Is that really obeying Jesus? So we may very well see the formation of this coming one world government, which God warns us about. But as followers of Jesus, we won't see the Antichrist revealed. What what happens in the first sealed judgment of Revelation 6, 1 and 2? We know from 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 8, Jesus will rapture his followers out of here before the Antichrist comes on the scene and takes over the one world government. Jan, this has been fascinating. I hope our listeners will pay attention to what you just said about the importance of being in God's Word, in the truths of Scripture, because in this day and age, more than ever before, we need to focus on the facts, the truth, as that only comes from God's Word, and we need to focus on God. Jesus Christ is our hope, the same yesterday, today, and forever in this changing world. And he needs to be our focus. That's why we, if we follow Luke 21, 28, that will give us peace. 
And that says, look up for our redemption draws near. As we're seeing all these players come together to match up with what the Bible says must happen before Jesus returned, we know he's here. He's right at the door, ready to come at any time. We don't know if it'll be weeks or months or years, but it's soon because we are seeing things occur that have never occurred before that must be in place for his return. So I encourage you, our listeners, open your eyes, open your heart to Jesus. Listen to our radio shows, come to our Bible studies, hear the truth of the word of God so that you are ready. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.